Come with us now to a time before man, where the river flowed through a newborn world, and giants walked the earth. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Dino DNA. <laughs> Dinosaur. <laughs> oh, welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of monster podcasting airwaves. This week, we are discussing the classic Jurassic Park. With me today is my all-time favorite dino nugget, Alex. Mmm. And also with me as always, you just call me a dino nugget. Just kind of process that. <laughs> and with uh, my tri- and Triceratops droppings himself, Eric. Oh boy! I thought about calling you Peter Jackson's severed arm, but oh. I thought my favorite dino nugget was nice. And then you call me Triceratops, dude. Well, the good thing is, is that Ellie puts her hand in you. Hey. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I'm not even going to be mad about that comment, all right? Just... <laughs> oh, jeez. It's a good oh, start. Man. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Uh, man, maybe we just have to jump straight into this one, Alex, because I feel like with Jurassic Park, we have a lot to say. So do you think we should just jump in? Yeah, I think I think we will have to. Especially after those types of comments, Alex. I think we <laughs> yeah. just need to jump right Keep in. Keep it to a minimum. <laughs> uh, in 1993, indie director and blooming, blooming upcomer, someone by the name of, I think, Stevie Spellberg, Alex, oh, released yes. a different kind of universal film. One full of giant monsters such as Nedry and the Lawyer, and Dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) Joking aside though, Alex, (laughs) some critics have pointed to the 90s as a dull decade for Steven Spielberg and say Jurassic Park is Spielberg at his most mechanical. Hmm. The quality of this film on its own aside, Alex, how does Jurassic Park for you compare to other favorites in Spielberg's filmography? I mean, there is a lot to love about Spielberg. <laughs> Spielberg. <laughs> Spielberg. The Spielberg filmography. Uh-huh. The Spielberg uh, cinematic universe. Uh-huh. Um, mostly because he is probably ha- he probably has the most diverse portfolio of any director out there. Mm. Um, and he's really passionate. Like I get that they probably didn't like some of his stuff and you know, not all of his movies are good, but what I can say is that he seems to be pretty passionate about anything he does, you know, whether it's dinos, it's a, it's, you know, world war two, it's even ready player one. He's all Uh about that. Right. That's not, this isn't a man who's on autopilot. He's doing what he wants to do, whether we like it or not. (laughs) Uh-huh. And that's what I really like about him. Uh, I feel like you can feel his passion through his movies, and you can definitely feel it in this one. 
I have to say that this is definitely my favorite Spielberg film because it's one of my all time favorite films. (laughs) So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of up there by default, I guess. So Mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and spoil the audience though, about my feelings about this film. I really don't have much to complain about other than some minuscule nitpicks Yeah, because Honestly, I, I just find this film to be pretty flawless, even with, well, some of the flaws. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Jurassic Park is definitely up there for me among my favorite Spielberg films. I'm a weirdo, Alex, so I also have Hook up there. <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> I believe that the 80s were probably Spielberg's best decade. But, I mean, Jurassic Park has to be near the top of his of, of just the best films that Spielberg has made. And I'd put Hook up there as well. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Hook and... I'm a Rufio fan. What can I say? I'll tell you though, Alex, uh, and I texted you this as I was rewatching Jurassic Park for this review. There's something very surreal about watching this film for a review because so many of these images live in my own personal zeitgeist Mm. from having watched this film so many times growing up. I'm sure how I feel about this film is how many of our listeners feel about Godzilla films that they watched growing up. Uh, it's hard to separate the quality of this film from the from the nostalgia attached to the film. With that yeah. said, this was a slightly different viewing than I've ever had before because I was trying to watch from that place as a reviewer. It's probably been 10 years since I've actually watched this movie, so I felt like I was able to put some separation between my nostalgia. Um, and at times, I think you'll you'll see me try to do that in this review. But I'm with you, Alex. Honestly, that's mostly impossible. <laughs> so I'm going to mostly jump right in to some of the pieces that I love, including some of the images that have just been imprinted into my psyche. The opening shots of the movie. You get those rust, rustling brush, right? Those rustling limbs. And then you see just snapshots of the Jurassic Park workers' faces. Mm-hmm. And the way that opening sequence ends, which I didn't even really understand as a kid. Like, I didn't really understand what was happening. Shoot Yes. Shoot I didn't. I had no idea what he was saying, by the way. Like, like <laughs> my first moments, first times watching this film, I didn't know what he was saying even. Right? I couldn't understand his accent. Um, but <laughs> you know how the hand just slips through Muldoon's fingers. Mm-hmm. And then it transitions to that shot. And it's kind of like slow motion there, right? It's all dramatic. Um, and it transitions to that shot of Martin Ferrero as the lawyer reflected upside down in the water there. Uh, it's just great. It's what, what an opening. And then that next scene really establishes the back plot of the film, right? The whole reason the film is set into motion mm-hmm. happens in that little scene with um, Ferrero visiting the, uh, what, are, what are those guys? Geologists, yeah. Alex? Um, the, visiting the geologist and it kind of explaining what's about to happen in the movie. I never even really caught that as a kid at all, but it does a great job at the first scene establishing the tone of the film and the second, um, or where we're going to eventually end up with the tone of the film and the second scene establishing the backdrop of the film. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very interesting to see this when, 
A, you haven't seen it for a while. Uh-huh. And B, when I caught this film for the first time after, you know, not seeing it for X amount of like probably 10 years before I caught it the next time when I was much older and in college and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, there is a lot you miss as a kid, like spared no expense <laughs> being one of those things, right? You don't, as a kid, you don't notice the repetition of those words uh-huh. and the meaning of them and, or maybe even the lack of the meaning in those yeah. words. Um, and it's just very cool to go back to this movie. Like it, it hasn't really been that long for me since I've seen this movie. I caught it at its uh, anniversary release when it was 20 years old. So that was uh, 2013. They did that big re-release where they kind of touched up some of the CGI and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember right, I believe they did touch it up a little bit. And it was just so phenomenal to see that in theaters. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And then... You know, I got I watched this again in preparation for Jurassic World, um, mm. and I probably watch it again in preparation for um, for uh, Fallen Kingdom. Uh, but what's cool is that, like I mentioned, there, there, I catch something new in the film every time. This time, I caught something that it's probably all over the internet. I don't know, like like, like you and me have joked. What podcast? <laughs> this is the podcast that doesn't research. <laughs> Yeah. So I haven't looked up to see if this is a common thing or something that other people have noticed. But this time I caught that when the Barbasol is being shown to Nedry for the first time. Yeah. You know, they're they're talking. And when he opens up the canister to show him where he's going to put the embryos, the sound that it makes, it doesn't do it again later when it's open. It only does it this time. But when it opens it up, it actually makes a sound, a delayed sound that sounds a lot like the Dilophosaurus that kills him. Yeah. Well, here's, what's exactly interesting like there, it. Alex, is I've noticed that too, but I, I thought it was Nedry's laugh, actually. That oh, was, it may have been. That, that may have been sound. why it was delayed. You're right, because he's so That's, excited, he's so which is excited. amazing. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're 100% right, though, that it is the same sound. Right, the exact um, same sound, and it's such a small thing. Like you're not going to pick that up the first time watching the film. That like when it comes back around, but it's the same sound, um, which is just really creepy uh, because we know what's coming. But <laughs> yeah. it is. I, I noticed that too. But it was with his laugh, and I was like, "Oh my god!" It is his laugh because right? he feels like he's going to be the next James Bond. Oh yeah, <laughs> like that, oh yeah, he's, he's so excited. I love how tickled he is with every aspect. <laughs> Uh-huh. of things that this guy shows up like it's so funny and it would be charming if he his actions didn't kill a whole bunch of people probably oh, yeah. Yeah. um and he wasn't just like an overall not a great guy but great um guy. it's yeah. just you know it's just cool you know the, how the dilophosaurus ends up killing him and I, just that tie-in that may not even be from purpose i'm not even sure that might not yeah um I just love that like <laughs> there's just so many things to see that are a purposeful or b maybe not even on purpose, but maybe we can enjoy it that way. Now, this is the first time, though, that I've, like you, I've really had to watch it with a critical eye. I did notice some odd things, but what I first noticed immediately was the horrible transfer this film had on HBO Max. Mm. That thing is abysmal. Like, I was watching it and my jaw was dropped because I was like, I saw this not long ago and it did not look this bad. Why does it look so old? How did HBO Max somehow age this movie 20 years 
and make all the effects just look worse because of this weird filter it looks like it's got on it. Like, mm. the image is so awful that even the sets and, and cinematography look fake and almost hokey. Huh. Like, it, it's weird that it had that big of an effect on it. Uh, HBO Max, you should be ashamed of yourself if you're listening. <laughs> now, luckily, I had another version of this. I was able to watch and improved it significantly. Nice. With a more critical eye, though, I pay more attention to these characters than probably what I used to, you know. And, man, I've got to say, all of these characters are better than I remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I actually think John Hammond, in particular, is even more charismatic and fascinating than I remember. Especially, though, with a, and this is like a big focus for me with his character, is that first scene where he talks to Grant and Ellie. I never really realized how great his dialogue is in that scene. And how perfect his performance is with those lines. Like he really sells himself to the two of them, but Mm -hmm. he also really sells himself to me in that moment. I really was impressed with that. And I I just, you know, I'm just really like for this viewing of the film, I was actually pretty blown away by him. Everyone else gets the spotlight. I feel like so for some reason, Hammond, I feel like, and maybe it's because he's in the least amount of movies, but I feel like he's almost not talked about in the same way as, you know, Grant and Ellie and Malcolm. Mm-hmm. And, and there's probably a good reason for that. Like those are all memorable stellar characters. Like even psycho Gorman references Grant. Oh yeah. <laughs> the only good aspect of that movie. But that's again, that's not to say all the other characters aren't amazing because they all are. Even the kid actors are not annoying. And they even have their own little arcs, um, especially, well, not all of them have all their arcs, but I would say that, uh, what's her name? The little girl. Lex. Lex. Lex has her own little arc, um, in particular, that I really appreciated. You know, she goes from being this terrified kid, and she stays terrified, who's like uh, unable to act, to mm-hmm. this kid that... Uh, confronts two velociraptors yeah and i thought that was just very cool she's great Uh, you're right about the kid actors right um maybe we would see it differently i don't know maybe that's one of those things we would see differently if we were watching this for the first time but yeah they just they never stand out as bad actors they stand out as like real kids (laughs) yeah to me at least um one of the things this week whenever you hinted that we were watching this film over on twitter alex one of our friends, Andrew, pointed at a tweet that was kind of making the rounds. Uh, this is something along yeah. these lines about how amazing some it's that how it's amazing that some of the shots in this film are straight up out of focus. <laughs> Characters are talking over each other. It's so unpolished and perfect and yet so much better than many movies today. Uh, now, I didn't notice all the unfocused shots. Maybe no, this I, person watched the HBO Max transfer. It's kind of funny. I did notice the unfocused shots nice. this time around. Because I was like, oh, it's a little not as sharp as some of these other scenes. It's interesting. But yeah. I had seen this tweet right before I watched it. So I was looking yeah. for it. Actually. You're paying attention. Yeah, I noticed it. But the talking over each other, I did not notice. Ah, See, I noticed other little imperfections. I did notice some talking over each other. Um, but some of these imperfections, Alex, and this again might be mis- nostalgia, actually make the movie better. In, in in the first scene with Grant and Ellie, um, 
I definitely notice a strange quality to the sound and to the dialogue in these scenes. They did kind of talk over each other. They felt completely unpolished. And some of it just felt off the cuff. But because of that, it also felt so incredibly natural. Hmm. Part of that was because of the performances, sure. But part of that is because no one came in to to polish it off and enhance anything that wasn't already naturally there, which just created these conversations that you don't really see in blockbusters today. Now, getting deeper into the film, Alex, um, I would understand a critic, you know, someone maybe watching this film for the first time, pointing out some of the plot holes or, or flaws in the characters. There's one reviewer I, I appreciate. His name is Josh Larson. He states this in his review. He says, in Jaws, it felt as if the lives of real people were in grave danger, posed by a threat of which we would conceive. Jurassic Park straps a handful of character types into a roller coaster car, secures the safety bar, we know the kids aren't going to die, and sends them barreling down the tracks. There are a few frightening loops along the way, but we know where the track is going and where it's going to end. Now, I can understand what he's saying here, but at the same time, I believe the characters that we get, because of that naturalism that I mentioned, are believable. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I try to point out... um, what I find problematic about this movie, I actually might point to someone that you appreciated more this time around. And, and to me, the only problem I had was the character of Hammond. <gasps> I want to be fascinated by his character. I'm fascinated by his character in some senses, but I, I also don't understand his motivations. I don't really understand his motivations enough to make him this complex character, really. The flea circus conversation that he has with Ellie just doesn't work um, the way that I think it was intended uh, to. Maybe that was just my my viewing this time, but I didn't find him as complex and compelling character as I wanted to. Interesting. I actually like the flea circus thing. Mm. I like it because it it's like I mean it's, it, I like it for the reasons that he outright says that he did something fake and he just wanted to do something real. Now there is a half step somewhere that I really want to know more about. He mentions that he's got something going on at Kenya and that this park makes Kenya look like a petting zoo. I want to know what happened in Kenya. I mean, it sounds like um, it may not be like a Jurassic park type deal. It might be like an actual zoo. All I know is that Muldoon was involved in whatever was going on in Kenya. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be really cool. I don't. I don't think this will happen. This is just fun for me. Um, is if Kenya gets brought back in Jurassic World Dominion? Yeah, I was. I, just say that I was trying I think to think about some of the other films that we've gotten, and if because I remember I, I I thought the same thing when you mentioned that, Alex. I was like, has that been brought up in Jurassic World or Fallen Kingdom? I'm not I sure. Think, I don't think it's been brought up in any of them. Kenya's yeah. never been brought up. And, and it might be a, you know, it's probably something in a book, right? It's probably yeah, a reference right. to something in the book or something right. like that. <laughs> but I do think it's cool if it did come back. You know, we did, we have a inconsequential character in this movie become a main villain in Jurassic World, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, B.D. Wong is Wu. Yeah. To have yeah. his character be such a prominent force in the series is just such a cool thing i love that idea 
Um, I just think it's so creative. But um, yeah, so I was enraptured by Hammond. I actually bought his arc and everything that he was. I think he's probably the most interesting character in the film for me. Mm-hmm. Not only do I understand his motivations, like I said, but his nonstop conflict throughout the film is understandable, but you're also kind of yelling at him, like, just do the right thing. You know, he contradicts himself often on what to do in a solution because it's his dream and it's crumbling all around him. And he just can't help but still want his dream to come true. But eventually he just has to realize that this is, this is just not happening and it's time to do the right thing. Uh, as for the roller coaster ride argument, all I have to say is if you do not feel the terror of the T-Rex paddock scene, even if you know the kids are going to live, you know, even if this is the 30th time you've seen the film, if you do not feel the terror in that scene, you you have no soul. <laughs> that, that moment in, 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 uh, Josh Larson's defense, he did mention that that scene is perfection and gave the movie three out of four stars. So it's not like he hates the film. Uh, he was, that was his one complaint about the film, but yeah, Ooh. continue Alex. You said three out of four stars. Yeah. No soul. The, <laughs> that moment is probably one of the most tense dread filled moments that I've seen on film. And even now I still love it. It is just so good. Like, the, there is a shot of the T-Rex. This isn't my can't believe that shot award, but it uh-huh. was, uh, it's up there. Um, but it's a it's a lower shot of the T-Rex from a little bit of a distance. And that thing looks completely terrifying. Like it's looking yeah. downwards at them mm-hmm. and it gets ready to do a roar. But it's just so awesome. Um, <laughs> but that that being aside, you know, it's perfect execution and all that. Then we move on to other moments, you know, like the two kids and the rafters in the kitchen. This is tense, too. You know, you have no idea how two kids like, yes, you probably know that they're not going to get eaten alive on the camera. Right. Mm-hmm. But you have no idea how two kids are going to stop two unstoppable killing machines that just killed Muldoon, who had a yeah. shotgun mm-hmm. <laughs> in a kitchen with no weapons. And in that moment, you know, I believe that they're at risk. Even if I know in my mind, you know, they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But the, for the film to make me feel that way multiple times throughout the film, you know, that that's the mark of a next level film for me. Oh, if, yeah. Even when I know what's going to happen, I am still in it. And part of me is like, what if? <laughs> right? There's that part of me that's just in the moment of the movie. And there's a lot of that in this, especially, you know, when Muldoon does... He's got the shotgun. And he's just standing there, eyeballing a weirdly idle raptor. It's just yeah. like moments like that in this film really are things that you just kind of like never forget. Ooh, man! To go back, Alex, though, and see that T Rex paddock scene for the first time. Right? Oh, can you imagine <laughs> to erase that from your memory and just even just to watch it today? You'd be stunned, I think, right? Oh, yeah. You'd absolutely be floored. There's just everything about that scene is just done to perfection. And <laughs> I, I love the fact that we just dropped the score, right? As great as the score is in this oh, film, yeah. I love the fact that we dropped the score. We hear the rain. I didn't even we, think about that, Eric. You're, we I mean, hear you're the right. Footsteps and 
here it comes, right? <laughs> like, ah, oh, so good. So Dude, good. It is so good. What's well, funny, you know, we keep talking about how it's perfection. Uh-huh. And I've mentioned this, uh, I think, on Twitter. But it also has one of the glaring, the most glaring. Um, it's not, Actually, it's not glaring because the movie, you're so enraptured in the movie, you don't even notice. Yeah. But it does have one of the biggest continuity errors that I've ever seen on a movie. Uh- <laughs> and that's <laughs> the that? T-Rex comes off of off of the paddock uh-huh. or he steps onto the road but when he knocks the car off it's suddenly about 50 feet up um yeah. implying that maybe this drastic is a this t-rex is a hovering or a flying t-rex maybe it's always a weird um, thing that, <laughs> that is strange yeah I don't. so it's really weird that he makes the hole and he knocks them through the same hole and even if it's not the same hole it's, they didn't put a drop off right there for a t-rex to fall off through their their, their crown jewel i mean the, the t-rex is literally the emblem for the entire park they didn't just put them in danger to fall off a cliff uh-huh. <laughs> even if it is like two sections yeah. down but People have tried to explain it, but they're delusional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Um, Now, thematically, Alex, this film offered me more than I ever considered when I was a kid. If you had asked me before rewatching this film, what was the message or the theme of Jurassic Park? I would tell you that nature um, finds a way, right? (laughs) (laughs) And while that certainly is present here, I think the bigger and broader message is the lack of control that we have in the face of rapid changes. It's more than just the dinosaurs, even though the dinos are the face of that change. In the backdrop of this film, there's just the reliance that this park has on technology and computers and automation. Uh, They spared no expense and yet they did cut some corners, right, Alex? Oh, yeah. Um, and this circles back around to Hammond once again and this exploitation of nature. Nedry isn't a good dude by any no. means. But the fact that Hammond wasn't able to recognize how much of the park relied on this one person tells you a lot. And honestly, if so much relied on Nedry, He probably should have been paid more, if we're being honest, Alex. (laughs) Maybe. Right? Uh, It's insane that he had so much power and access if he was just paid as, you know, a simple technician. Or so it seems. It also, Hammond implies that he had financial difficulties. I mean, this guy probably is going to be, need to be paid quite a bit of money if he has this much responsibility. Right. And that but that's the that's the question really right there. And it's one that I'm I was trying to think of throughout the film is that line I spare no expense. You know, you're you're right. We do see either cut corners or things not completely thought out. Namely locks on the vehicles, right? That's one of the big moments. It's like uh, uh, obviously you would put locks on the vehicles. Yeah. So there is an essence of things not being completely thought out. We keep seeing like, oh, that's an oversight, oversight here. Um, and things that bugs that are trying to squash in the system. Now, Nedry, I don't know. Is he greedy? He's got some sort of financial issues. Obviously, he's greedy. But yeah. the, we, we know he has financial issues of some sort. Or at least he told him in that in order to try to get more money. Uh-huh. Right. We don't know. And then we also, 
don't know if Nedry is being paid a fair amount and that he just doesn't think it's enough. Yeah. He, he, the implication, I think, is that he's probably not being paid quite enough, but I don't know. Because um, Hammond, they've made him so likable, I feel like, in this. But then again, we the do point, see the cut right? corners. So I, I just... I just don't know if he actually cut expenses or not. I feel like he may have, but Nedry is so uh well that I don't know if I can trust him. He is so likable, Alex. Like that's the thing with Hammond. Um he is a likable character, and yet his underbelly is one that does cut corners. <laughs> right? He he wants to generate revenue, right? At at the end of the day. Well, actually, you have to remember, he actually, his big thing is that he wants this for everyone. Remember, he the, does. The, the investor is like, yeah, we could, you know, sell tickets for a thousand, three, two thousand, something like he, yeah. he's going in these big amounts. And then Hammond is very quick to point out he wants everyone to be able yeah. to experience dress. He wants to create something real. Right, or at least right. this is this this is the story that he has told himself. Right, that that he wants to create something real, but there's that there's that telling moment um, in the uh, scene that I was like, I don't know what this little flea narrative is really offering us, um, but maybe I'm coming around to understanding it a bit more now, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> this happened in that in that scene. Uh, it starts off with him being completely concerned. Um, and reflecting about the fact that his grandchildren are in the middle of his park and could be potentially dead, right? Mm -hmm. So he's reflecting on this moment, but then it quickly turns, and Ellie can't believe that it's turning this quickly, into the fact that he needs to fix these mistakes so that they can keep the park, right? And that's a telling moment. That's Mm -hmm. a telling moment that even at that moment, he is still trying to brainstorm about how he can fix these mistakes that he's made. Right. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what I mentioned. I, I like about him. Like, like you're saying is like, there are these moments where he is grappling with his dream being destroyed in front of him. And he is at one moment saying one thing. And then just a couple minutes later saying the opposite mm. because he is having such a hard time grappling with two different realities. <laughs> Yeah. Now, there is uh, some substance to that character for sure. Um, That would be an interesting part of reading this book to me would be to kind of see how they handle his character. Um, On NVM Plus this week, Alex, I'm going to have a conversation with my brother, actually, about our histories and memories of Jurassic Park. Because really, we watch this film so much together. So I'm wondering if he's a little bit like me and how he feels. I'm definitely going to ask him about Hammond. Uh, I'm sure we'll get a little bit into the weeds. We'll probably talk about sports because we always end up probably talking about sports in Liverpool. It'll be a fun time. It'll be a fun time. (laughs) And that'll be over there at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. But I'd also like to hear from the theometer. Welcome Welcome in in. to another theometer this week, this week. We are talking about the documentary Jurassic Park. Um, so, Theo, you had a question for me about Jurassic Park. Uh, and to start this conversation off, why don't you ask me that question? When was Jurassic Park made? 
Well, you see, Jurassic Park, the park, was open in 1992. So they shot this documentary around 1993 when I was five years old. I am hoping that the park opens up sooner rather than later so that we might be able to visit it someday. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. So the the clip that I'm going to show you from the this Jurassic Park documentary is called the T-Rex Paddock Disaster of 93. This is what officially closed the park down, and they thought about stopping the documentary at this point, um, but they didn't. So I'm going to show you this scene. We're going to pause here, our recording for a second, and then uh, I'm going to get your reaction to the scene for the theometer. Sound good? All right, so we're back after watching the first half of the paddock scene. Um, we saw, tell, us, tell our listeners what we just saw on that scene. Well, we saw the real T-Rex. Well, not really the real, I don't think it's real, but my, oh my, my dad thinks it's real. Well, I just watched Jurassic Park uh, free, and like the animals did look real, but I could tell they're like not real. Hmm. Can not real animals move cars the way that T Rex just moved that car? I don't know. Maybe somebody out there has been like been a movie person and like knows how this movie stuff works. <laughs> you think one of our listeners can tell us how maybe, that movie thing works? Maybe. There's like, I don't know, a 2% chance. I don't know. There's a 10% chance it's real? Yeah, 10%. So 90% it's fake, 10% it's real. Let me just ask you, why would they make? Why would they close down Jurassic Park if that wasn't real? I have no idea. Just to make like people scared or something like that. <laughs> you think it's to make people scared? Yeah. You said you weren't scared, though. No, I wasn't scared. Well, what do you think happens to the brother and sister that we saw in the car? Because we 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 paused it. What do you? Why do you think I paused it? I think know. something bad happens to them? Um, uh, I don't know. Were they gonna get chomp chomped? Well, they're probably not gonna get eaten. You don't think so? Why not? Because they're like what, like probably one of the nearest we um most com- one of the most common characters you could say. In the movie, that's probably what I think since I haven't seen like the whole movie yet. You think the kids are some of the more common characters? Yes. And you don't think you don't think the kids are going to die? No, I don't think so. Actually, that's pretty smart. That's pretty smart of you. Um, so you, to wrap it up, you don't think that T Rex is real? No, I don't. You saw its eye blink. Well, yeah, I did see that. Well, I didn't really take a look at his eyes, but yeah, I'm out to. Re- you saw it move the fence. Oh yeah, I did see that. Hmm. I don't know. There's some evidence there. You got to weigh the evidence, right? So, all right. Well, thank you, Theo, for being a part of our theometer. I think, are we going to have to watch the entire Jurassic Park now? Yes, definitely. And I'll say one more thing I wanted to say. Sure. Is the re- I, there, it would be a 0% chance uh-huh. if it wasn't for this. It, I put it as a 10% chance mm-hmm. as like, the, like, you know, their kids and all. They're like, don't know, like, they shouldn't like be in a movie like that, mm. just for example. And like, I think it's a ten percent real because like they were covering their ears and ears and uh-huh. stuff like that. Oh, that's smart. That's smart. Yeah, they were covering their ears because yeah. that was such a loud roar that that yeah. real T Rex had. Yeah. Yeah. Like that real. <laughs> Theo just did air quotes around real. Uh, that was good. That was good, Theo.
Uh, so we're going to watch the entire Jurassic Park? Yeah, probably. Here soon? Yeah, probably. What about the entire second one? Probably, maybe. What about, th- what about the third one? Oh, probably, yeah. I liked a little bit of the third one. That you saw? Yeah. yeah. We saw the pterodactyl yeah. scene and yeah. the raptor scene at the end. Yeah. That was pretty intense. And then there's Jurassic World. You want to watch that? Yeah, I want to watch that. Okay. Uh, wait, what's her, um, what age are you supposed to be to watch a Jurassic World? Well, these are all PG-13, so it's recommended that you are 13 and up, but I guess I'll let a seven-year-old watch this. Um, I mean, they are just science documentaries, most of them are, so uh, I guess I'll let you watch these, even though they're intense. <laughs> they're not intense at all. All right, let's jump into our awards, Alex. Uh, compelling Character Award, who'd you have? I gave it to Muldoon. Uh, mm. mostly because he's the character, aside from Samuel L. Jackson's character, but Muldoon is the most interesting, I feel like, because we know so little about him. Yeah. Uh, and that's the reason I said Samuel L. Jackson, we just know his, we don't know his background, but yeah. it doesn't seem like he's got a mysterious background. Right. Muldoon's been through some stuff. I want to, like, this, this guy has a history that is probably pretty awesome and fit for a whole nother movie. Yeah. Like... I would love to know his background because he is, you know, he's the, he's the resident badass, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it, unfortunately, he just gets outplayed by the uh, the clever girl. And so <laughs> I would just like to see more of Muldoon in some fashion. Maybe yeah. he survived this and he'll be back in Dominion. And we'll just have like one eye and uh, missing an arm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, I'll tell you my favorite Muldoon moment actually. And this is just something I picked up on this time watching it. When they're driving away from the T-Rex, mm. uh, the look on his face of the moment right after the T-Rex slows down, it's not focused mm. on him, but there's this little look that he gives. And that look is a look of enjoyment. Um, he's thrilled. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't yeah. see this. Oh, yeah. He is he is thrilled and pleased with himself, right? Like, he just had the time of his life. Um, very interesting. It, there's, there's definitely more to that character. You're right. Very compelling. Um, my most compelling character, Alex, is a character that I didn't pay too much attention to in, when, I was a, when I was younger and watching this. This time, he seemed to play a much bigger role even though he fades in the back half and that is malcolm who is hilarious i was i was rolling i forgot how funny he is in the helicopter when oh. they first bit because it cuts away from him He's not even on, on the screen anymore. And you just keep hearing him go. <laughs> well, again, that's another thing that, that wouldn't happen anymore, Alex, right? Like the joke's over, <laughs> you know, the joke's over. And so that sound would have been edited out, right? Yeah. <laughs> but this is he, so funny. He just kept, he just keeps going. Oh, yeah. Uh, Malcolm is great, right? What I found fascinating about him this time watching is the fact that Malcolm is actually hand-selected by the lawyer. Um to, and I just call him the lawyer. I don't know his name. He's just the lawyer. Yeah, he's just the lawyer. <laughs> he's hand-selected by the lawyer to approve the park. He's supposed to be the schmuck, right? That Like the scientist schmuck that is in the lawyer's pocket. And he turns out to be the one who is first and foremost adamant in his disagreement 
that this park should even be a thing. Uh, mm. That's interesting to me. Uh, it shows me that he is more thoughtful than most people probably thought he was, oh, even yeah. though he was pro- he was this more popular science type of guy. Yeah, he he is, and he's also much more interested in the park than you would think someone who doesn't believe it should exist. Uh-huh. He wants to see everything about this place. Everybody too. does though, right? Like, right? Because like, they're all against it, but then they're all on board too. Oh, they're all <laughs> fascinated by it, right? Like they're all against it, but they they can't help but be fascinated by it. And and you couldn't either. We couldn't either, right? Oh, we, yeah. <laughs> we would be all about it. <laughs> uh, what about your most memorable line award? I had to give it to the. I had to give it to a default, right? It's probably the line that most people like from the movie. I spare no expense. Nice. I just yeah. love the you. It's just perfect. I'm not going to uh, say anything else. It's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was a line, Alex. Um, it was <laughs> from Samuel L. Jackson when he says, "Hold on to your butts." Right now. My TV guardian would have filtered that out and it would have said, hold on to your rear ends. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you didn't expect the TV guardian to play a role in this no, episode, did you, Alex? I'm so glad it did. It but now I got to... Reoccurring. Ex- oh, yeah. Now I got to experience the line in its full glory, right? <laughs> For the first so, time ever. <laughs> so, no, uh, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's weird to hear Samuel Jackson say butts and not like, you know, yeah, the explicit right. version. Exactly. There's another really good line in this that... I, <laughs> It's really funny, and it's like, you know, John Hammond living in his dream world, and then Malcolm bringing him back to Earth. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he's like, John Hammond's like, all major theme parks have delays. When they opened Disneyland in 1956, nothing worked. <laughs> Malcolm's like, yeah, but John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. <laughs> <laughs> out of context like i didn't really like i i heard that line but i didn't i just kind of moved on from it really quick but as you repeat it it's really funny it it is it's good it's really good (laughs) oh that is good uh what about your can't believe that acting award uh i gotta give it to i've talked about him enough i gotta give him an award richard attenborough Mm. as uh, hammond yeah i think that this is a stellar performance I part of me wishes that we got more of this character, but also what makes him so special is him being in this movie. Like, um, I just, I just love the duality. It's not even a duality. It's it's just he's split, and he just can't make a decision because he is of two minds about uh, a per very personal thing and. The safety of everybody. <laughs> like, he just can't reconcile it until the very end of the movie. Um, mm. And I, I can understand that to a degree. Like, this is a man who has been through hardship at the beginning. And I think Attenborough really displays, you know, the different levels to this character. And so I, I, I just think it's, uh, like everything else in this movie, pretty much perfect. Mm. What about I've- you? Yeah, I've got to give it to Laura Dern, Alex. Uh, <laughs> let's just say I've never considered Laura Dern. Uh, like, I've, I've seen Laura Dern a lot before, but there was something different about watching it this time. Uh, now that I've seen Laura Dern um, 
in, in some movies recently, you know, where she's been older, it's interesting to look back at a younger version of Laura Dern. She is put through everything in this mm-hmm. film, Alex. And I think does everything almost to perfection. Uh, it's really impressive from the horror elements to just the natural slice of life elements. She does uh, a fantastic job yeah. in, in a movie that has several standout performances. Um, she's the one that stands out to me. Yeah. It, it, there, there's an element in this film with her character that I, I don't know why, but I never really realized it that Grant and Ellie have a relationship like a romantic relationship. I had no idea, but really in this one, they hint that that's the case. Hmm. When Malcolm is starting to express interest, and Grant's well, like, "No, she's taken." Well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why. I never really picked. I gl- I'm glad they don't lean into it. But I, I think like, they do lean into it. It's the whole. It's you? the whole. Yeah, it's the whole Grant and the two kids storyline. Is the fact that they are together and they're considering having kids, and Grant doesn't want kids, and she does. Um, oh, see, I never, I never, I mean, I picked up on Grant doesn't like kids. Yeah. But I never picked up on the other aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she, she wants to have kids. He doesn't really want to have kids um, because he thinks they're three. gross. And so that's his whole story arc is coming to terms and, and protecting these kids and bonding. Yeah, with I them. mean, I, I got that, but I didn't pick the, the relationship between the two of them. I got that he got, you know comes around with the kids and stuff, but I didn't <laughs> yeah. pick up on their relationship. And then gotcha. when they hint to it here, I'm like, oh, that makes yeah. Jurassic Park three a little sadder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what happened, so oh, you'll see. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. What about your? Oh, bringing it back for Jurassic Park, Alex. What about your standout effect award? There's so many, you know, from the baby raptor, which is phenomenal looking. Oh my god! To yeah, <laughs> to the T Rex animatronic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna give it. You know what? I'm gonna give it to. I was gonna give it to the T Rex because it's just so awesome. But I'm actually gonna give it to the Dilophosaurus because those little fins. Oh yeah. On it. Absolutely terrifying. Oh wait, is that your award there, Eric? Hang on. No, All it's right. not. Okay, <laughs> those little those little fins, terrifying, uh, and that thing was just so cool. It is, yeah, yeah. What about you? So, yeah, you could have chosen any of the dinosaurs here. They're awesome, right? Um, the CGI for its time is great. It, it's, there are moments where it definitely looks dated now, but for its time, it looks really, really good. Um, the scene that I want to point out is the scene that doesn't really make sense in the movie. It goes along with your plot hole that you mentioned earlier. (laughs) And it's when the Jeep is stuck in the tree. Oh, yeah. Somehow Tim has been caught in this this Jeep still. (laughs) Yeah, well, he never gets out of it. I know, I know. And they have to climb down the tree. And the the Jeep starts to fall down the tree. And so they have to race climb down uh, the tree... As the Jeep is falling and breaking the branches above them, mm-hmm. right? It's a practical effect yes. and so cool looking. 
it's one of those moments that we don't get in films nowadays where you're like, how do they do that? Right. How, like, how do they actually right. do that? It's, it's a makes you wonder, full of wonder type of scene and type of effect that if this were done today, you'd say, oh, it was done on a computer. This was not done on a computer. Um, and so, again, right. I'm amazed by that. <laughs> Apparently, Alex, um, so George Lucas had played a major role in editing this film post-production. Oh. And apparently, George Lucas was inspired by this film and, and how good its effects were to go ahead and shoot the prequels for Star Wars. And it's the prequels for Star Wars, Alex, ironically, that have changed the landscape of blockbusters since their release to this more CGI-heavy focus, mm. right? Mm. But I find that so fascinating that that connection there, right? Mm. Um, yeah. Very, very, very interesting. This is This might be one of the last great practical effects type of American blockbuster um, that we got, honestly. Hmm. I guess you haven't seen some of the Fast and Furious movies. (laughs) 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 Kidding somewhat. Um, (laughs) Just a little bit. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, that Jeep trip. I love when it falls and they're like, we're back in the car. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So good. Uh, um, what about your, oh, that's a good shot award. Again, so many shots to choose from here. The one I'm going to choose is in that kitchen scene. And it's the kitchen reflection shot. I didn't understand um, what had actually happened. Like I never, I didn't understand the scene in the past uh, yeah. until watching it this time and realize, oh, the raptor was seeing um, Lex in the reflection, and yeah. that's why it ran straight in. I, I thought it was awesome, um, uh, but I didn't understand it until really watching it this time. But that's really cool, really well done. It fooled me, so uh, I can see how it could fool the raptor. What about right. you? Yeah, that one's an awesome one. But mine's, I'm so basic this episode. I feel like I'm just picking like the, the top picks for some of these, but the water. <laughs> In the cup. You are, I, you, that is kind of basic, but I like it. it. Basic, I like it. But it's amazing. It is. It is, it it is. is it's memorable. Like, I could have picked uh, objects in a mirror are larger than uh-huh. they appear. That would have been pretty basic, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but the, the, the foot, the water where you see it ripple, uh, I think is awesome. Uh, it's just like that perfect moment of terror. It's about that time where the music drops out of the film and you know, you're in for that wild ride. Um, it's very, very cool. I don't, I, I just love that. And the, the other one that I always like too is not there. I feel like almost all of them are basic because everybody's seen this movie a million times. Yeah. So I would have to pick like the helicopter going into the sunset to be different. Mm. Um, so Ooh, the, sunset shot. Mm. <laughs> But um, I I also really like the when the raptor is walking up behind the picture of the raptor and you just see the shadow. Great, great very shot. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, all right, Alex, our unique awards. Um, what you got Ooh. for your unique award this week? 
I, I've already kind of given an award to this, but uh, I'm going to give it the the scared me in the theater award. This is the uh, this is the moment that sent me out of the theater <laughs> when the when the when Nedry gets into the car and he turns and the Dilophosaurus is in there and it's got its, its fins all up. Uh huh. Terrifying. Poor Alex. That was the moment Alex had to be escorted out of the theater. And then he watched the rest of the movie through a crack in the door. <laughs> Poor Alex. Oh, and he man. absolutely loved it. Oh, man. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what about you? My my unique award is the Can't Believe That Sound Effect Award. And this is another one of those things, kind of like Nedry's laugh you mentioned earlier, Alex. I'm sure people have pointed this out before. Um, but it was new to me. And it's during that same scene, actually, Alex, where he falls down the water, um, like the stream right there. And there is a literal slip sound effect, a little whistle (laughs) that goes just like that, right? When he slips. That's awesome. And it is (laughs) ridiculous. It's just a little... <laughs> Except higher and squeakier. It's a cartoonish, absolutely pulled from Looney Tunes type of sound effect that they put into this incredibly serious yeah. scene, thinking, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, <laughs> they, were. they were thinking that we needed this sound effect in order to make sure people understood that he slipped. <laughs> I think it was what pretty apparent by the fact that he fell down. <laughs> Wow. It was amazing. Go rewatch that scene, Alex. You'll hear you'll hear it. You'll hear it when he slips. It's amazing. <laughs> what was what was the movie, Eric, where there's a guy who's pushing up a girl and oh. he pushes her up there's and a it spank adds sound? The, yeah, it makes a spank sound. Yeah, what and was he that? wasn't doing that. <laughs> what was that? Oh, it was amazing. I can't remember. That oh, had to be, that was that was definitely we brought that up in the review. Which one was that? So, yeah, I can't. One of our listeners Japanese tell us, film. yeah, which which film was that where uh, there was the spank sound? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was man. amazing. All right, Alex. Um, final thoughts and tiered rating. You want to start? You want me to start? What you think? I'll just go ahead. And go go ahead. Not? Everybody already knows what I'm going to say. This is a five-star Godzilla tier, whatever you want to call it. This is the best movie ever made. All right, people. <laughs> <laughs> No, th- this this film is amazing from beginning to end. Ah, there's not enough I can say about it. I think the characters are all wonderful. The effects are still wonderful, even if some of the CGI is aged. I do want to know, you know, message me uh, somewhere uh, at MEM something something, and let me know if the newer Blu-ray releases if they actually have like the updated CGI or if I was imagining that for the 20th anniversary. Hmm. Let me know. Um, but this is perfect movie. I, that's all I really have to say about it. Like these characters are just phenomenal. There's a reason people still talk about this movie, yep. and I kind of feel bad for the rest of the movies in this series because it is unfair to be compared to this movie. <laughs> it's just <laughs> not fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex, I'm glad you know all of our social media handles. Yeah, <laughs> at MVM underscore Pod. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. When it comes to my final thoughts about this film, this is a definitive Godzilla tier uh, film. No, no doubt about it. Whether it's a five star or a four and a half star, I, 
is probably a five star for me. Eric, don't yeah, don't don't even pretend. It 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 is right. <laughs> it is a five star film. Um, there are a few things you could complain about, but every film has a few things that you can complain about when it comes to blockbuster films. It's hard to find something that does what this film does. Um, it's the first half is awesome because it fills you with wonder. The second half is awesome because it terrifies you. And this movie does both of those and pulls off um, something pretty remarkable in the process. So this is a Godzilla tier film for me, Alex, 100%. Awesome. All right, man. Next week, as you said, it may not be fair, but we've got The Lost World. Do you have a rhyme prepared for The Lost World? I don't, but it's going to be world interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I at least got first half. Okay. Uh, yeah, so what Lost World's up next. Will it leave your turtles your <laughs> golly. The Lost World is up next. Will it leave your toes curled or your brow furled? Ooh. Hey, you know what? That's not that's pretty good. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> will we be angry or will we be scared or yeah. anxious? Or <laughs> exactly. Um in the lost world, will we be twirled? In new directions or hurled in similar reflections? Mm. Okay. We'll see. We'll see (laughs) if it offers us something new. As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. We definitely want to hear your feedback from this week's episode on Jurassic Park. You can email us at nvmpod at gmail.com or go to nvmpod.com to leave us that feedback. Send us your thoughts and we'll read them on the show. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pot. You can become a bargain base my at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, host chats, um, and a couple special chats uh, with my brother coming up here uh, in the next couple weeks. And if you can't help monetarily at this time, a review on your favorite podcasting platform always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, rock band for PlayStation 3, which forms subblock B, Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Jude the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't be John Hammond's grandkids. <laughs> and try, <laughs> try to, to stay alive. alive. Well, the good thing is, is that Ellie puts her hand in you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Look. <laughs> I'm not even going to be mad about that comment. All right. I'll just... <laughs>